Great day of NBA basketball. Yes, I like your hair a lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Did you just get it. Cut? Yeah, you obviously probably just. Did you get it today? Oh, no, just yesterday. Oh, okay. Got I it. I was kind of waiting for coronavirus to get over, but it didn't really seem like that was happening anytime soon. So I just had to suck it up and get it done. You was know? it starting to bother you? Yeah, it was. Well, it, it wasn't starting to bother me. It had been. It had been. Um, Annoying me for a minute, so that's nice return to normalcy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's up? We're gonna do another episode. So, um, the Blazers big dubs, big huge, dubs. huge win. Yeah, go through, go through the game because I didn't really watch it. I was doing chemistry. Okay, so going into the game, the Rockets were probably one of the hottest teams in the NBA, and they were sort of turning into like a sexy sort of hipster pick to even win the NBA championship because yeah. of their let's just say unique approach to the game which whether it's a gimmick or not is up for debate but they don't play any players that are taller than six foot seven and their starting center PJ Tucker is actually six foot five and so going into the game wait okay hold um, up who's Clint Capella playing for uh he got traded to the Hawks oh, okay because yeah. I remember he was pretty good he was pretty good, but, um, and I'm going to get into this very thoroughly later, but it just was never going to work out with him in Westbrook. And so, uh, he had to, Oh yeah. Had to get back in, but, um, Wait, hold up. I'm going to close my window. There's like people outside. So anyway, in the first, in the first quarter, the Blazers got off to a good start. We had trouble containing Westbrook and he kept racking up fouls on our big guys, which ended up not being too big of a problem just because we are so deep that we had plenty of like new faces to throw at him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was not making his free throws, which was another big storyline is how Westbrook kind of shot his team out of the game at the foul stripe. And so, like I was saying, the Rockets are small. And so you would think that Nurk would be able to have a big game and sort of just beast against them in the post, which he did. I think he got pretty close to a 20-20 game, 20 points, 20 rebounds. But he was not as dominant as I hoped he could have been. And he missed a lot of just chip-in shots, which was frustrating. Like Probably like four or five times he had just a baby hook or some sort of layup that Mm-hmm. He just wasn't able to finish. But overall, a good game from Nurk. He rebounded well. He did everything he was – that was really asked of him. Yeah, so P.J. Tucker's guarding Nurk. Well, the thing about the Rockets is they pretty much switch everything. So yeah. It's pretty much everybody got their chance with Nurk. So and- who is like the – like, did Nurk – does Nurk have a specific player on the um, Rockets that he kind of dominated? when they switch to him or cause like, I feel like there's, if you switch Nurk and like got Harden's guarding him or Russell, that's an obvious mismatch. Yeah. Harden surprisingly was one of their best guys on Nurk tonight. Def- Ru- defensively. Yeah. Just cause of how strong he is compared to the other Rockets. He doesn't really let Nurk back him down at all. Russ was a problem uh, against Nurk and a lot of times Russ would, try to front Nurk because obviously Russ is not as strong as he, what you would like in the post. So Russ would just front him. And 
I think a couple times Dame was able to make that pass just right over Russ's head. That led to oh, some yeah, that's not a good move, probably. To front Nurk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You just lob I, it over the top. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, what else are you really going to do? But, like, yeah, it's yeah. not ideal for the Rockets. That's and then true. the guy who I thought Nurk was really able to take advantage of was actually Robert Covington, who even though he's the tallest guy in the Houston Rockets starting five, I think he might be one of, if not the worst post defender in the Rockets starting lineup because <laughs> he's a little bit light in the shorts compared to some of the other guys on Houston, <laughs> which makes it tougher for him to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dope. I saw, dude, not to like change the topic, but like Jaron Jackson getting hurt, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. It's like, I feel terrible though. A meniscus, that's going to be tough to come back from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, this is already his second knee injury just of the really? season yeah and so it always it always sucks to see anybody get injured but it's i always think it's way worse when it's like a reoccurring injury because it just kind of shows you that something's like not right with their body but hopefully yeah. this time he can really take all the time he needs to recover because like obviously i talk about it a lot on the show is how much i like his game and how good i think he is so you literally said he's long. the best player on the grizzlies mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, that that looked like an insane game. And the Rockets, I didn't realize that their record was they they're pretty solid. I just remember yeah. when the Warriors beat them on Christmas Day. That was kind of funny. Yeah, that was crazy. And that was sort of one of the games that kind of sparked the um the sparked the idea that it was never gonna work with Capella just because of how bad Russell Westbrook was in that game and how mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a, complete, it's a completely different Rocket team than the one that lost to Golden State on Christmas. Whether Well, yeah, for that, sure. Whether the team's more or less viable, the jury is still out, I would have to say. 100%. It, it looks like that the, the Blazers, what did they do to contain Harden so well? So what they, well, honestly, we just didn't foul him, which was a big mm-hmm. thing. And obviously, like, on one end, we didn't foul him. He didn't get, he got, I mean, obviously it's freaking James Harden. He's going to get to the line, but right. Yeah. Like we played him pretty well. I, we didn't buy on a lot of his tricks. We didn't give him a single three point shooting foul, which is huge. It doesn't really happen very often. And then on the other end, he got five fouls and he had to sit down for large portions of the game just because he was himself was in foul trouble which I thought maybe one of the fouls that got called on him was a little iffy when, um, really? yeah, I think it was CJ McCollum who got, was it CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard? One of them picked up the and one on Harden in transition. And it looks like Harden, Harden definitely slapped at it, but I think he completely whiffed. He didn't get ball or arm, but I mean, damn, he, he makes a living drawing bullshit fouls, so it's nice to see one called on him every once in a no, while. No, yeah, that's definitely true. It, the, the game, I, I'm looking at, at the um, the little slider chart. It's pretty freaking close the whole entire time. Yeah. It, or it, it seemed like early in the second quarter, the Rockets kind of, um, they had the lead for like the whole quarter, I think, right? Yeah. Or no, or no Portland did. Portland, yeah, Portland, neck, neck. Portland, Portland had the lead for most of the second quarter, most of – I think the late third and early fourth, we 
had like a steady like four to ten point lead and then Houston clawed their way back in it and then the Blazers went on a 7-0 run to close close it out in the fourth which was yeah. massive yeah, yeah the Blazers were up by 11 and like midway through the second that's pretty impressive that they came back yeah, yeah it's weird the um the the Blazers they're pretty like persistent it seems like and then there was like a there was like the um, Houston got kind of killed by some dry spells it seems like yeah and Houston just got killed by shot making like really a lot of poor yeah. shots yeah we sold out to stop Harden and Russ like we'd send double teams if we we had to which was like we sent double teams on pretty much every possession I didn't necessarily agree with that just because i trust our guys one-on-one defending especially gary trent i would trust him with my life defending someone one-on-one but yeah. terry scott still felt the need to trap the ball handler which led to just a bonanza of wide open threes for guys like daniel house and specifically jeff green robert covington ben mclemore luckily they weren't falling for the rockets tonight so gotta kind of tip your hat to terry Stotts for that game plan because I mean, it obviously worked because those role players on the Rockets weren't making the shots they needed to. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, so how much, because the Rockets beat the Bucks or whatever, how much weight or how much um, stock do you take in the fact that like, the Rockets, like some of these teams are beating teams that are, otherwise like better than them you know like do you think it's like attributed to the layoff or do you like take do you think teams are going to turn it up or do you think that these kind of games like i because in my opinion i think that these games are pretty they they are important but i feel like everyone's trying to play their hardest right now i don't think anyone's cruising yeah i I agree they want to get back in their groove probably yeah i agree so a lot of times, and this even goes for non-quarantine, just regular, regular mm-hmm. season games. Yeah. I don't really put much stock into, like, results of the games. Like, obviously, the result's super important because this is hugely important in helping Portland get the eighth seed. But yeah. just because we win, I'm not going to go and say, like, oh, we're, like, better than the Rockets or something mm-hmm. like that. But what you can sort of take stock in is, like, certain trends. And so, like... Obviously, we saw in this game, like, Houston cannot compete with Portland on the glass, like, whatsoever. No, we Covington, are, Nurk had 20 rebounds almost. Yeah, we out-rebounded them by a huge margin, which, like, if we were to play the Rockets in the playoffs, which seems maybe unlikely, uh, like, I think that would be something that we could expect to see is that Portland would probably out-rebound them by a ton in that series. Yeah, and that's it's huge, hard. dude. Offensive, offensive rebounding is like that's how you win games. Yeah, Second chance points are massive. His Robert Covington was he on the Sixers? Yeah, he was on the Sixers. Then he was on the Timberwolves this okay. year, and he got traded midseason to the Rockets. Okay, yeah, he I only was, really remember him from the Sixers. Yeah, he was part of that Clint Capella trade. He's six seven, and he's their biggest guy. Yeah, him and Jeff Green. I think Jeff Green is six seven as well. Man, so they play hardcore small ball. Yeah, I feel like I knew that though. They kind of can get away with it because they're pretty like small and athletic. Sometimes isn't the worst way to go. Especially they're kind of girthy too. Like, (laughs) yeah, James. Yeah, even though they're small, they're not really getting pushed around out there. No, yeah, PJ Tucker's not going to get pushed around. Mm -mm, No. Yeah, Dame. Dame looks like he. I mean, 
I don't know. He probably he didn't have the best game. No, he struggled. They they like hats off to Houston. They did a really good job of slowing Dame down. He was pretty much in a bottle all night. Couldn't really get threes. Couldn't really get to the glass. And I think that's that's what's so beautiful about the Rockets' defense is that they can switch everything. And when you switch everything like they did tonight, like a guy like Damian Lillard's going to have a much harder time getting an advantage on the defense and sort of, and he's going to have a much harder time sort of manipulating the defensive positions. And so, yeah, the yeah. Rockets really shut him down. Man, Gary Trent looks like pretty good. Like I didn't even really know who he is, but I can see why you'd be high on him. This guy, actually, I'm looking through his stuff. He's pretty, he looks pretty solid and he's 21. Mm-hmm. Did, yeah. Is he a rook or no? Second year, second year. This he, is really he looks good. He's insane, and this is really his point, points coming off the bench. That's massive. And um, forty beyond the, the arc. The go ahead bucket late in the fourth quarter as really? well. That's just a massive shot, and wow. I'm super high on Gary Trent Jr. Dude, thirty five minutos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. He is, he is our sixth man. He's going to be the sixth man this year, and. He more than deserves it. So I want to watch him play. Yeah. Man, the, really impressive, good. Impressive thing about Gary Trent is, like, obviously he's a knockdown shooter. He moves really well off the ball. Like, he always finds gaps in the defense, which is one of the most, like, not really frustrating. But he's open on a majority of these possessions. He could have had a lot more threes today. Really? Yeah, if we found him a little bit more. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Like, obviously, he's not the number one priority in our offense. But, um, Maybe. yeah. <laughs> but sure. just, his, just his effort and sort of, like, I know it sounds cliche, but he's sort of that pit bull, bulldog defender. Like, he gets yeah. in guys' faces. He never backs down. He's not intimidated by anybody. He moves his feet so well. He keeps his hands up, maintains verticality. Yeah. Bro, yeah, he's gonna be a guy to look out for. Without yeah. that, without him, you would have lost the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like straight up. Like I, it's yeah. like stupid to think about, like in ret- retrospect. But like, if he doesn't drill those four three pointers, I feel like that's pretty massive. He's oh, he yeah. led the team in threes that game. Yeah, we would have lost. Shot. He sh- what is that? Yeah, I mean, he's four for nine. So yeah, he's right on par with his um actual uh three point percentage, which is we would have lost the Memphis game without him too. Like really. He's- yeah, he's a key guy. I mean, when the rotation is as short as it is right now, like Terry only plays eight guys a game, like really take away any of them and we'll probably lose. So I guess it's really like not saying much, but like he's been our fourth best player, easily our fourth best player for this NBA restart. Yeah, I really like – Um I mean, I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but like he seems really – how, how come I never heard of him? Well, was he was he, he kind of was he pretty big coming out of Duke? Was he like a first round or something? He was, a, he was a second round pick. Didn't play at all his rookie year. Didn't really start playing until midway through this season. I mean, maybe didn't start playing till like a quarter of, through the season. Really? Yeah. Started really heating up um, after the All Star break, and I wow. think right now he's averaging about thirteen points a game. So like he's really just come on strong, like the last few months of the NBA season, obviously not including all the months that got canceled, but the last few months of actual basketball have been 
where he's really started to make a name for himself. That's sick, dude. He kind of, and I mean, only from his like his profile pic, but he kind of reminds me of Crab. Yeah. <laughs> what is he? What is Alan Crab up to? Uh, he. I believe he got cut off of the Minnesota. T- yeah, he got cut off of Minnesota. He really? got. Tra- yeah, he got traded from Atlanta to Minnesota, and I'm pretty sure Minnesota cut him. Damn. Yeah, I, didn't he? He left the Blazers because he got like an absurd amount of money, right? I mean, like he was over, like he got more than definitely probably what he was worth. Yeah, he got a massive contract <laughs> from Brooklyn. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. Yeah. I was I was really surprised because I I liked him when he was there. Yeah, and in Portland, he looked like he was going to have a good career, and then the shop just stopped going in for some reason. That's tough. I mean, it's it's kind of funny though. Like once people leave certain environments, how they rapidly go on a decline. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good for him securing the money before his game totally fell off. But. Yeah. Um, but the, so the Blazers, they've got the Nuggets, which is going to be tough. They've got the Clips, obviously <laughs> tough. They've got the boy, they've got the Sixers, which isn't going to be easy. They got the Mavs mm-hmm. and then they got the Nets. Dude, that's uh, murder row right there. But I don't know. No, I, I, I can, tr- I trust them, but the Nuggets, Clips, Sixers, Mavericks. But when you look at the Nuggets, that's a team playing without Jamal Murray, playing without, more importantly, Gary Harris, playing without Will Barton. Torrey Craig has been off and on. Like, Wait, why isn't Jamal, is he hurt? Yeah, he's hurt at the moment. Um, oh, he's day-to-day. Yeah, all these guys why are is Gary day- out? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not he sure. opt out of the season? No, it's some sort of injury. Um, it's not oh, major. So it's they're okay, just kind of nick. They're just kind of nicked up. It's n- none of them are gonna, like out for the season or anything. They're all sort of in that day to day boat. But like with all their starting guards out, and importantly, Gary Harris is not far from a good shooting guard, but one of the better defensive shooting guards in the league. Having a that great on ball defender is just vital to slowing down a team that has Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So I think a shorthanded Denver Nuggets sort of plays right into the Blazers' strength. So I see that as a very winnable game. The next one, Clippers, tough. Wait, hold up, hold up. How do you – so um, that's actually – that would be fun. The Nurk-Nikola battle is probably pretty fun to watch. Oh, yeah, especially considering Nikola basically kicked Nurk out of Denver. But – yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Nicole is better than Nurk. I don't think Nurk's going to be having his best game necessarily against Jokic, but I hope he can slow down Nicole defensively, which I don't think is too much to ask, especially when you consider Zach Collins. Like, the Blazers are playing with a lot of length, which is going to bother Nikola Jokic, who likes to find those passing lanes and stuff. So I think. I think this could be a tricky matchup for Nicola. And on the other end, I just don't think they have any way of countering what the Blazers want to do, especially when you put Nikola Jokic in pick and rolls all day. I don't think it's going to be pretty for Denver on the defensive side. And then you move on to the Clippers game, which the Blazers just don't match up well at all against the Clippers. Maybe like I can, I guess I can dream that at that point, the Clippers have locked up the second seed and are resting all their good guys, but barring, Kawhi and Paul George not playing. It's just almost a scheduled loss for the Blazers. The Sixers but have the Sixers been... The Sixers is a toss-up. 
Yeah, the Sixers have been very, 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 very disappointing since the NBA has returned. Um, Joel Embiid has been good because he's one of the best players in the NBA, but yeah, him just kind of looks lost out there. They are really struggling to find an identity. They're a great defensive team. Well, not great. They're a very they're good. They have good defenders on their team. Somehow it doesn't always come together for them. Is Benny playing good? Mm, not. Yeah, he's not playing particularly well. Not particularly well. He has really struggled in back-to-back matchups. So, yeah, he's kind of on a rocky trajectory. Yeah. Right okay, now. wait. Can we can we back? Uh, rewind to the Clippers. So, like, how, yeah. like I, I know that the obviously the Clippers have more star power, but what? Why do the Clippers like exactly like? Why can't the Blazers? Why don't you think they match up well? We kind of saw this against the Celtics, but if there was one weakness on the Blazers, because like roster, I don't, not to interrupt you, but like I don't see any teams running through any teams. Like I see close games, especially if you have Dame and CJ. Like yeah. I don't, I don't really see like especially in a maybe in a series. Obviously, the Clippers would probably get the Blazers, but in a one game, I don't really see the Clippers like dominating anybody. I mean, even like the Lakers or anything, especially the Blazers, who they like they. I feel like they're pretty solid. Yeah, that thing that just worries me though is, and I don't. I forget if I talked about this um, going into the Celtics game, but if there was one weakness on the Blazers roster, we just don't have any guys who can defend wings and so that's why you kind of saw Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward just have a field day against the Portland defense and then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are two of the best in the business and I don't really think the Blazers have any answers if those two are locked in and that would be my biggest concern going against the Clippers. Is What's Dame like defensively? Um, he's better than people think. He is not necessarily a lockdown defender, but he moves his feet. He can stay in front of most guys. Okay. Um, like, um, if we're looking at the Clippers or whatever, I don't really necessarily see Patrick Beverly or Reggie Jackson posing any challenge today on defense. Is Trevor Ariza, is he, does he get significant amount of minutes or no? He he was our starting small forward, but he opted out of the NBA restart. Oh, market. he is. Yeah, that would have been he. I feel like he would have been a better, a good matchup for some of those wing players. For sure, he was the best guy we had to throw at opposing wing players. But yeah, and then Melo Mello hit a big shot. Melo hit a monster shot. Yeah, he kind of iced. Well, not really iced the game, but he real he gave us a two possession lead with fifty seconds to go. On a clutch three. How is uh is is Swanigan playing? No. Where is he? What is he doing? Does uh, he just does he just sit? Yeah, he didn't come to the bubble though. He did. His, no, his NBA career is over. Like it's it is. Sad. Yeah, it is. This was the last year of his contract, and he did not perform well, and he's not going to be getting another contract. If you know what I mean. Ouch. That sucks. I kind of liked him. Yeah, it's a bummer for him. Yeah. What do you think went wrong? You just think he's just doesn't – I don't know. He's he's too slow, and his offensive skill set does not apply at all to the modern NBA, and he's 
too small and unathletic. It's a, a more interesting question would be what went right. And there's not really any answers to that one. So mm-hmm. it's going to be out, out of the league for Caleb. So where are we seeing the Blazers go? What are we seeing them go in the five game stretch? Three and two, I would say is a realistic goal. I would say dropping it to the clips and Mavericks. Clips and Sixers. I think we can I think we can compete with the Mavs, especially if they still are a little banged up. I oh, think so you're saying that they will so they I will lose to the Sixers and the Clippers? Yeah, I think we could probably beat the Sixers too, but I'm looking at that and I'm thinking that we could go four and one. Yeah, I don't think there's any way. We, I mean, maybe that's. I mean, it's possible. It's sort of wishful thinking. Like, I definitely like our chances to go four and one. I just feel like that's a little optimistic. So I'm just gonna say maybe the Sixers catch a slip in a little bit. But I definitely we're gonna beat the Nets. Like the Nets are a cakewalk. I hope, like, knock on wood. Like we should have no problem with the Nets. And then I think we can probably beat the nuggets unless their guys are healthy for that game for some reason. And then I think we can knock off the Mavs. The Sixers is a toss up. So I'm going to give it to the Sixers. So conservatively three and two. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like the NBA is sick though. Like you don't have to be exactly 500 or at least 500 to make it to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because like even like the Blazers are solid too, especially now. That they're fully right. loaded. I feel like yeah. this break in a way, in a weird way, might not have been the worst thing. No, and our guys were like slated to come back, um, like the week um, after the NBA was shut down. But mm-hmm. I think it was a huge help having not only our injured players but every player in the NBA um, sort of come off the couch and step onto the court. So there was yeah. no real like. So our guys weren't sort of behind the game so to speak we were like in the same position as everybody else yeah um what's up i said i don't know if that makes sense but um so like you want to go through the top five point guards so because like i'm pretty i'm going to go through the video and edit the one that we did (laughs) it was was so funny to listen to it's so good and we should have andrews on again but like i was just like concerned because we literally shit on a lot of different athletes (laughs) in that you know what i mean so it, it will i'll just edit some stuff out with bianca because she's really good at that and then we're gonna put some clips out but we you can you can give your you should give your um top five point guards okay can i do more than my top five yeah actually give us give us um give us all your 30 give us 30 30 just okay. just, just keep it uh just brief. keep your description brief I actually I won't even get into descriptions till I get. Okay. In, well, maybe I'll do brief decisions. All right, Jonah's gonna give his top thirty point guards. So thirty, I did Jeff Teague. Um, he's a good guy if you kind of want to play an up tempo offense. He's gonna make the right decisions. He's got pretty good vision, especially in the open court. I just don't really think he has enough firepower on offense and enough chops on defense to sort of merit an above average ranking 29 i went kendrick nunn rookie for the miami heat he has displayed a tremendous amount of shot making especially off the dribble in the mid-range he can hit three-pointers at a pretty good clip 
he the thing that worries me is he's kind of regressed as the season's gone on so it's hard to know whether he caught like lightning in a bottle or whatever I think he's an NBA player I just don't quite know where I stand on him right now especially since he has really no feel for passing um yeah he has a very hard time spotting even the most wide open of teammates and so I'm a little worried about him 28 is pretty much the anti Kendrick Nunn and that's TJ McConnell. He's pretty much made a living of not being a shooter, but just keeping his dribble alive, always got his eyes up, always scanning the floor, always finding open teammates, pretty much everything you want out of, well, not everything you want, but he's a good like floor general. And that if TJ McConnell is on the floor, the ball is always going to be moving. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Number 27 I put Mike Conley, who has regressed a lot this year, but still provides scoring at two of the three levels. Not as good around the basket as he used to be, but the mid-range game and the three-pointers. Well, How, the old three- is he? How old is he? I want to say he's 32 or 33. You can fact check that really quick, though. Um, but yeah, the three-pointers has he's regressed. 32. 32, yeah. The three-pointers regressed, but the shot looks good, so I'm not concerned about it he just isn't he, he's good i like him a lot yeah i like him a lot too he's just not as dynamic as he used to be and so he's not as good number God, i know when you're 32 man you just like you can barely walk like you're so old <laughs> <laughs> number 26 i put a guy he was another older guy um i'm not quite sure how old he is i want to say like 33 or 34 and that's George Hill, who's been a real um, real weapon off the bench for the Milwaukee Bucks this year as their backup point guard. Just shoots the lights out of the ball. Plays tough on defense. Plays a lot bigger than he is on defense. And I liked him a lot, especially yeah, like when he was on the Pacers too. back in the day. Yeah. And last year on the Bucks, when um, Giannis was really struggling, and obviously Eric Bledsoe, was doing whatever he was doing last year during the playoffs. <laughs> George, George Hill really stepped up and was able, up. yeah, and was able to run effective offense even as they lost the series to the Raptors. So that's why I included him number twenty six, number twenty five, very underrated player, DJ Augustine. Not the flashiest of names, been around the league for a while. Definition of a solid veteran. He has all the tricks in the book on offense. Um, all those sort of like wrong-footed layups, those little hezzy floaters, just sort of different tricks he can use to catch the defense napping. He's so good at that, and he can hit the three ball as well. He's been in the league for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We were in second grade when he was drafted. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, but I mean, you can tell, though. He's got pretty much every trick in the book in terms of scoring as a point guard and so that's why I kind of like him as like a good point guard you could have off the bench. 24, this is going to be controversial. I kind of ranked this guy a little lower than I bet most people would have. That's Jamal Murray. I like him a lot. Yeah, I feel he like he gets credited a lot because he was really good as a young player. But I just haven't really seen him develop too much this year. Um, the shot is a weapon more so. He's really athletic. Yeah, he's athletic. And the that athleticism doesn't really translate as much as I wish it would to defense where he still sort of struggles. And that 
um, three ball, which is probably his biggest attribute, has really only manifested itself in catch and shoot situations, mostly off of like Jokic assists. Whereas like as a point guard, I wish he could sort of expand that skill set to off the dribble. But like you were saying, his athleticism and his ability to sort of cut to the basket, especially in Denver's offense, makes him like a not a very good, but makes him a somewhat effective second scoring option next to a guy like Nikola Jokic. So where's my boy uh, Devontae Graham at in your list? Devontae Graham failed to make the top 30. Really? Yeah, I put him at 31. He was an honorable mention. He's just, 31? Yeah, far oh, too. Dang. I then I know another controversial one probably. I not a big Devontae Graham guy, just far too limited on offense. Basically turns into a zero as soon as he steps um in front of that three-point line and pretty much no defensive chops whatsoever. So the three-point shooting is cool. Obviously makes some flashy deep shots, but his far too many holes in his game for my taste. Where you got Terry? Uh, Terry, I actually didn't put him in this list mostly because he's played shooting guard for the Hornets this year. Oh, my bad, my bad. No, but uh, you're right, though. His natural position is point guard. So if he had been playing point guard this year, I probably would have had him. I probably would have had him, honestly, somewhere around Devontae Graham. Probably somewhere ahead. I actually like Terry slightly more. I probably would have had him in the uh, high, high 20s, probably like 28 or 29. Dude, but why anyway, are the Hornets? Sorry, why are the Hornets Loki kind of stacked? I mean, I mean, stacked. like they obviously don't put their, um, they don't put, they don't have like the wins. But I, I like some of the players on their team. Yeah, they're just very, very young right now. And What's Malik they, Monk like? Is he is he good? And no, he's got that um suspension at the end of the year. Oh, but really? yeah, he's athletic. The shot is promising, but it's never really come together for him. It feels like um, he's ex- it's just one of those guys who frustrates you because he has got so much potential, such an explosive athlete. He's shown like promising shooting at times, but he's never really been able to sort of put it together. Got it. Yeah. I just remember he was on uh, who? Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. 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 So sorry. the Hornets. Yeah, sorry. The Hornets have a lot of young pieces, but it's really tough for me to see a future for them right now just because none of them really – I don't think like the next star of the Charlotte Hornets is on the team yet, which is kind of troubling. What do you think about Kobe White? I like Kobe White. Um, Is he in your top 30? No, he was not in the top 30, but he's a guy who can definitely get there for sure. He only started probably like three or four games at point guard before the season got shut down, but he can put the ball in the basket. I think he'll be a difference maker for the Bulls for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm high on Kobe White. I don't know if I see him as a starting point guard just because there's the passing is so limited for him still, but... um. Dude, I just need to pick the ball. shit out of your brain about the NBA because you know so much and I'm like, I know players, but I don't know like in depth what their strengths and weaknesses are. So I just got to ask you stuff and I'll just begin to remember. All right, let's, let's do it. <laughs> I guess getting back to my list at number 23, I had 
um, Lonzo Ball. Okay. And mm. I like Lonzo because yeah. he plays very, very solid defense. He gives his passing is unreal. His passing's very, very good. His defense is um, sturdy all the time. He has such a great connection already with Zion, which is what you love, love, love to see. Just those hit-ahead passes in transition. Yeah. Just yesterday, I think it was, he hit Drew Holiday from like the other free throw line, and he hit Drew Holiday underneath the basket for an and-one layup. Really? He, yeah. Like, literally, mm-hmm. no, no joke. Like, Lonzo Ball, if he wasn't a point guard, he could be like a quarterback. Just like some of his passes – it's just like, how does he do it? He puts the ball on the money every time. Mm-hmm. Dude, um, he, it's it's crazy that he's only 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like these and, guys are so freaking young. Right. I yeah. think of him as like, not, not exactly, not like a seasoned vet, obviously, but he's already experienced so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's Especially literally... being on the Lakers and stuff. Yeah getting all that attention but the thing i really have loved to see for his um, lonzo this year was actually the three-point shot really started to come around and he hits threes very consistently off of catch and shoot situations which i expect him to get more of just due to the fact that i think zion has a ton of gravity and will probably draw a lot of defenders and is an above average passer for what you might expect of a zion archetype mm-hmm. player and so i think lonzo will get plenty of opportunities with the improved catch and shoot three he even shows um the ability to hit him off the dribble which if you told me that three years ago i would have laughed in your face but <laughs> here we are and so the real thing that's holding lonzo back is just an absolute inability to finish around the rim or even anywhere close to the rim like as soon as he steps inside the three-point line Like some players like have good touch on like floaters or layups or stuff like that. Like a guy like Kyrie Irving obviously comes to mind as the best at that. Lonzo has like the opposite of that. Like the ball bounces off the backboard just so poorly when it's Lonzo shooting. Like he can't, I I don't know, whatever it is. He's had had a lot of difficulty shooting. Yeah. Yeah, for real. He just can't figure that sort of, inside game out yet and so that really holds him back because he's just not a threat to score himself off the dribble so until he's able to figure that aspect of the game out it's going to be really hard for him to move up this list dude you know who's actually a disappointment i I keep cutting you off but like markel fultz oh yeah and markel is actually a guy who took a big step forward this year and yeah i think yeah he I, i heard that he was getting better yeah, he's like quietly reviving a career for himself that's awesome. in Orlando. That's, that's good to see. Yeah, but he's still, yeah, you're right. He was plagued with injuries at the beginning of yeah. his career. And he's never going to be anywhere near the player. Like, obviously, we hoped he could be when he was the number one overall pick. But it's looking like he could at least carve out a career for himself, which mm-hmm. looked like it was in jeopardy a few months ago, even. So, Dude, yeah, good for him. Looking at that 2017 draft, there's some studs in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm just looking at the top. I mean, you got Markel, Alonzo, Jason, De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac, Donovan Even, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even going down the list, wasn't that um, Zach Collins draft year? Yeah, he was picked 10th, and then Malik Monk, 11. Um, yeah. Justin Jackson's in there. 
and Justin Jackson and, but yeah, that's definitely a good draft class for sure. Uh, you mentioned a name that we might even get to later on. on the oh, class. and Kuzma and Josh oh, yeah. Hart. What was, what was Kuzma? Wasn't he like 23 or 24 or something? Uh, he was 27. 27. Yeah. And then, um, Josh yeah. Hart, you like Josh Hart, right? Oh yeah. Remember Frank Mason? Was he from, uh, Kansas? Yeah, he actually um, played today for the Bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. I always remember, I don't know what it is, but some of these guys, like Trey Burke and um, like Devontae Graham and like Frank Mason, those guys, they always stick in my mind. I don't know what it is, but like these point guards that handle the ball a lot that you watch college games for some reason, they just like get embedded in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so anyway, I guess I'll get back to my list. Number 22, Jalen Brunson. Solid backup point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. Not a lot of holes in his game. He can shoot the ball. A very smart playmaker. Very, very smart playmaker. Actually, I'd say very underrated playmaker. Just great feel for running the offense. Um, not an explosive athlete, which holds him back um, because it's just obviously tough to score inside when that's not the case. Does he not but, play a lot? Well, he's he's hurt right now, oh, so he has like during the regular season he played significant minutes. Um, so yeah, limited defensively, but he gives effort, which is what you can ask for. Kind of a guy, I guess most people would probably describe him as boring, just because he kind of quietly runs the offense and gets things done. But he's just one of those guys who you can trust with the ball in their hands, which is obviously super important for a point guard. Number twenty one. Ricky Rubio. Um, The thing about Ricky Rubio that's awesome is that he just instantly provides a fast-paced offense, and he kind of goes downhill attacking the defense, sort of like Lonzo. He likes to find those hit-ahead passes in transition and sort of create advantages that way, which is a very valuable um, trait for a point guard because it obviously leads to easy buckets. He's um, very flashy in his sort of like um, pass. He has a knack for those sort of flashy behind the back passes. Just today, I want to say, yeah, today against the Clippers, he was able to thread a pass through the defender's legs that led to an assist. He's Um, on the who? He's on the Suns right now. He's obviously very limited as a three-point shooter, which – probably yeah. dude one the, of the fact most- that he's on the right side of 30 is still is mind-boggling to me he's been playing forever he came into the league so young though dude what is he though he's probably 29 right yeah he's 29 yeah um obviously the limited three-point shooting holds him back just so freaking much because as a point guard having a three-point shot just opens up the rest of the offense so much so without yeah, that- you have to have someone press on you that probably yeah. helps a lot yeah, so without like that three-point shot, it's just pretty damn near impossible to be elite, especially when you consider the fact that he's n- nowhere near like anything special as an athlete. And he was on the Jazz, didn't he have a? I feel like he hit some shots. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. obviously capable, but yeah, he's just I'm, not as consistent. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's like if you you can go ahead and fact check this too. I'm sure he's like between a thirty and a thirty-two percent three-point shooter, but it's just like that's not 
gonna get it done on low volume. He's actually had a better season this year. He's oh. up at up to thirty six this year, but but his career he's a oh, he's just a shade under thirty three. Yeah, so, so he's yeah, actually had a 30. better. Yeah, I'm sure most of that is off of catch and shoot situations, which is fine. Like um, but yeah, just that part of his game is still somewhat limited. He's kind of like Alonzo Ball type, but with just um, more ability in a half-court setting. And so as we go to number 20, um, Derek Rose is a guy who's revived his career. Just so versatile on offense, especially now that he can kind of shoot the three ball. He can pull up from mid-range. He's obviously still tremendously good at attacking the basket. He can't play as many minutes as he used to, and the passing isn't as good as some other guys I've mentioned. But I think of all the guys that, yeah, of all the guys I've read off so far, he's the best scorer. And so as a guy who you kind of um, can bring off your bench to just get you some buckets when your second team of offense is out there, it's hard to do better than a guy like Derek Rose, who's just been breaking down defenses. Yeah. Wait, so name off, so your last 10 have been who? Yeah, so 30, Jeff Teague, 29, Kendrick Nunn, 28, TJ McConnell, 27, Mike Conley, 26, George Hill, 25, DJ Augustine, 24, Jamal Murray, 23, Lonzo Ball, 22, Jalen Brunson, 21, Ricky Rubio, and 20, Derek Rose. I feel like Jamal Murray can score. Yeah, he, he definitely can. It's just... But I agree with you. Derrick Rose is probably the best scorer out of that top 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Jamal, like, maybe maybe it's just because he doesn't have the ball as much in his hands because of Jokic that we haven't gotten the chance to see it. But, um, but yeah, he, he's a better shooter than Derrick Rose. I just – and it's, like, honestly, you're right. Like, it's just because, like, Derrick Rose is on the Pistons, which is obviously, like, the Pistons are way worse – than the Nuggets. So like Derrick yeah. Rose probably gets more opportunities to create his shots just because his teammates are worse. So maybe if you saw Jamal Murray on a team with where he got more freedom as a ball handler, you could see him pick up some of that responsibility. But just until I see it, I don't know if I can trust Jamal Murray to sort of be like that every down run, running back like Derrick Rose is. Yeah. And that's like, that's actually an analogy I sort of use a lot for, um, basketball players is like in football and every down back is sort of like a guy who you can keep going back to. And he's pretty much good in like any sort of situation like Garrett Rose is a guy who you can just allow to create the offense on like every, well, not every possession, but like you can allow him to create offense on like five straight possessions in the third quarter and he'll get an efficient shot on all of those possessions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's just yeah. a guy who you can you trust. Yeah, and he can single-handedly lead an offense. Which so, is so we, interesting to think about because, I don't know, like he's, he was obviously so good for the Bulls, gets injured, and then kind of wasn't the same player. Yeah, and has kind of been reviving his career the past yeah. couple of years, which you love to see. Yeah. So as we get to the teens, number 19, I have a guy who is in borderline but not really contention for a sixth man of the year. And that is Goran Dragic, who unfortunately we saw him leave the game against the Celtics tonight with an injury. But we found out that it was just an ankle sprain and nothing was broken or anything. So that's good news there. Um, 
yeah, Goran Dragic is a guy who, again, um, is getting older, but still has all the tricks you want on offense. He's insane. Well, not insane. He's very, very good off the pick and roll. Just a great feel for the game. Never really, never really moving too fast. Always kind of the slower, um, more methodical motion where he um, puts the defender behind him and just can sort of read the defense like a book and find his teammates, whether that's like the role man or a, a guy um, in the corner. Uh, so yeah, great decision maker on offense, great feel for passing and obviously a tremendous shooter at pretty much every level. Like his floater game is still very good. Even off the dribble, he can knock down three pointers and getting to the basket, he consistently is able to finish around and over centers and taller defenders. So even as he moves on into sort of the um, later stages of his career, Goran Dragic is a guy who I like very much. I like him too. Yeah. Number 18, the guy who I... What's that? Because he can score. Oh, yeah. Or at least yeah. in 2K, he could score. That's why I liked him. Yeah. <laughs> And then number 18 is the guy who I do think actually will win the sixth man of the year award. And that is none other than Dennis Schroeder of the mm-hmm. Oklahoma city thunder has been part of the best clutch lineup in the league so far this year. And uh, yeah, like he has always sort of been this for his career, a score first point guard. Yeah. Which is, um, why he's never going to be a very good starting point guard is just because like the passing for shooter is not there yet. But when you play alongside guys like Chris Paul and Shea Gillis, Alexander, you don't really need to have that elite level of passing. And that's really allowed shooter to flourish in his role as just sort of that off the bench spark plug score. He what's keeping him from transitioning to just being like a shooting guard. High size. Yeah. Or yeah, I think that's right, like size. And then he's always going to be that guy who kind of wants the ball in his hands, creating shots for himself, even though he's good as an off-ball guy. I just think that probably he more would want to play point guard, but I definitely think you're correct. Like, I think Schroeder would honestly benefit from moving to shooting guard at this point in his career. He'd be undersized to their share, but there are plenty of undersized shooting guards yeah. who are successful in the NBA these I like days. Him. Yeah, I like him a lot too. Even though he's far from a great defender, he well, I don't even know how I'd say he's a good defender. He <laughs> he tends to take possessions off on defense, but when he locks in, he's got tremendously quick feet. He can get up in guys' faces, apply a lot of pressure. So in a close game, he's a guy who you can count on to play good defense. I just don't know if over the course of like, if you had him play 30 minutes, he wouldn't be playing good defense for that entire period of time. Yeah, definitely size is a factor. Yeah, size is a factor. What is he? Probably like 6'2", six, 6'2". Six, yeah, right? Six, he's two. listed at 6'1". 6'1". Wow, yeah. So but he's um, long as shit, though. Yeah. He looks long, he, at least. And he's quick. He's quick, yeah. too, which is very important. Number 17 is a similar sort of player, just better. And that's Spencer Dinwiddie, another one of those sort of score-first point guards. It's just that Spencer is way better at it. Maybe not better going to the hoop. He's not a better finisher, I wouldn't actually say, than um, 
Schroeder, but just his ability for off the dribble three pointers and mid rangers, especially this year when Kyrie has been hurt and he's had a lot of responsibility in the Brooklyn Nets offense. He's just been very, very, very impressive. Yeah. To me. Mm-hmm. For sure. And um, I don't know if this is going to happen, but like, honestly, you'd love to see Brooklyn trade him just so he doesn't have to be Kyrie's backup. If but he, dude, he honestly, who even knows with Kyrie though? There's always something yeah, going down. There's with that him. injury. There's always the injury risk. The threat he's just going to sit out for some reason, but you can always be secure knowing Spencer Dinwiddie's your backup. Also, um, it's hard to sort of quantify stuff like this just because who knows, like really what's causing it but um he's one of the clutchest guys in the league for me he has a knack for just sort of hitting those big shots at the end of games he's the type of guy who embraces that sort of responsibility as a flair for the dramatics which is i don't know why but that's something i like out of my point guard i he's like a my big point, ass guard. point guard what's that the big ass point guard too yeah that's what i was yeah. thinking when i when i when i um, when you, when, like when I hear Spencer Dinwiddie or whatever, immediately it comes to minus size. Yeah. Cause he's is, not a small guy. Yeah. Is he, what's his height? Like six, three or six, no, four? He's six, six. He's six, six. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's something I knew before. <laughs> I knew he was a big guy. That's why yeah. I was, yeah. That's yeah, a big so, guy. Yeah. Yeah, and that I'm sure probably helps with his off the dribble threes. He's got a quick release. And so, yeah, that height and quick release, um, allows him to get that shot off. And so, yeah, I think we've said enough about Spencer Dinwiddie. Awesome offensive point guard. Yeah. Nets are going to be extremely lucky to have him as a sixth man. They drafted year. him, right? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, no. they didn't? No, I don't believe so. You can double check that, but I'm pretty sure um, this isn't the first stop of his career. Number 16 is a guy who burst out onto the scene last year and had another really strong campaign this year for the Indiana Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon. Just a very oh, smart best. player. Yeah, yeah, the Pistons got him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Malcolm very, Brogdon's good. Very smart player. His connection with DeMontis Sabonis, especially as like the lead guard in their Pacers pick and roll this year, has been very fun to watch. His ability to sort of go off the screen and pull up for mid-rangers or floaters is very close to being unmatched by the rest of the guys on this list. Um, obviously, he can knock down threes with the best of them. He doesn't have the range of like a Damian Lillard or a Kyrie Irving, obviously. But if you just want a guy to come up, kind of come off that pick-and-roll screen and just fire from at the three-point line, like Malcolm Brogdon's your guy. Um, he reminds me a lot of Devin Booker. Yeah, that's sort of an interesting comparison. Um, yeah, there are definitely some similarities in their game. Um, both of them are obviously good shooters. Um, that's mostly what. <laughs> yeah. If anything, I kind of am disappointed. In, well, not disappointed, but um, Brogdon. I would hope not. He's in like your top freaking, like, tw- like what is this number again? Number 16. Yeah, this he's is your not, top 20 he's, of 45. Yeah, he's a fine passer. He's not the most imaginative passer out of everybody on this list. He doesn't have like the creativity of a Ricky Rubio or a Lonzo Ball. He's not gonna um he's not gonna provide pace for your offense. But if you just want like that half court floor general, 
who can manipulate the defense and hit shots. Malcolm Brogdon, you could do a lot worse than Malcolm Brogdon. I have a question. So, like, when you're making this list of 45 different guys, what you're only naming your top 30, like, yeah. what differentiates a 16 from, like, a 7? Was, like, you know what I mean, though? Because, like, are some of these guys pretty freaking close to, like, in oh, yeah. skill-wise, you know? Because I yeah. feel like when you spread it out that much, it's it's like so close. They, yeah. some, you just and there's some guys that just are a little bit better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everybody sort of has like a different idea of what an ideal point guard should be, which is why like my list would be different from your list, which would be different from like somebody else's list. Like, spoiler alert: I have Trey Young at number five, and a lot of people would say I'm crazy because Trey is just so freaking bad on defense but I don't necessarily think defense is the most important trait for a point guard to have. I kind of, when I look for my point guard, I just kind of want someone who can give me automatically a good offense. And since Trey has like such an insane skill level at stuff that's important on offense, like uh, I can look the other way when it comes to his terrible defense. But obviously, like I said, some people might say, Oh, like the defense is a deal breaker and he's not even in my top 10. Um, <laughs> yeah, either way, just guy, I guess back to your original point. Like, yeah, that I definitely, some of, some of it's just like splitting hairs. Some of these guys are so close. I just kind of have to decide which player's skills I would value the most on like in an NBA team. 100%. And so I guess that moves us on to number 15. Speaking of limited players, D'Angelo Russell, um, who me and you saw in person this year. Yes, 100%. He was on. Kept, helped kept us in the game. Yeah, back when he was on the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> yeah. um, I just kind of have to clear this up. When Kellen says help, help kept us in the game, um, he by no means is implying that I would ever root for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> um, who knows, though? Who knows? Someday you might. I mean, you turn on the beeves and that seemed pretty like it didn't seem like that was very unlikely. Well, I mean, in order to turn on the beeves, I had to attend the University of Oregon. So unless I get drafted by the Golden State Warriors, I don't know. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So let's get back to D'Lo, um, who, sorry, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell is now the best scorer on this list. Um that I've mentioned so far. He's obviously a sniper from beyond the arc, off the dribble, deep threes. You got yeah. it. Elo's, Elo's. He likes to take some crazy shots, though. He likes to take some crazy shots. Like I was saying before, he's one of those clutch guys with a flair for the dramatics. He's even got it tatted on his chest, which is something you love to see. You know the one I'm talking about where it says, like, now, and it's, like, the – digital clock symbol oh no i haven't seen no sick but um um yeah yeah, dude it was so funny like my like they like they literally (laughs) when they roll out with d-lo and then they have uh a lot uh and then um lee damien and then they have like willie collie stein yeah (laughs) they look like thugs it's so funny (laughs) like willie collie stein i like willie collie but Willie Colley Stein. If I was a little kid, I would probably be scared of Willie Colley Stein. He was actually so, terrifying. Yeah, man, it's so strange looking. But anyway, back to D'Angelo Russell. Like I said, great three point shooter. One of the 
probably the best, one of the best mid-range shooters on this list. Um, he's just so crafty. He's not athletic. He's not fast, but he's just so good with the ball in his hands that he can generate space on those. He's very players. smooth player. He's very, very smooth. And um, that's why he's an effective player in the mid-range, even when that's not necessarily considered an effective shot in the modern he's, NBA. Yeah. When I think of him, I think of fluidity and like good, like body control. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. And then getting to the bucket, he's not, uh, he, well, he's far, far, far from being an athletic NBA player. So he has trouble um, finishing over a lot of the better defenders in the NBA, but that's where his craftiness comes in. Um, I want you to look this up for me really quick. He gets to the line so much. I, what, how many free throws does he shoot per game? It's probably high. I would imagine probably upwards of like six or seven. Um, uh, so yeah, even, what would I look at D'Angelo Russell free throws per game? Yeah, or yeah, or just go to like his stats on ESPN or whatever, and it'll have them in the box score. Oh, but um, but yeah, even though D'Lo is not athletic enough to be an effective score, um, on field goal attempts that are close to the basket, he really is effective from there too because he can generate contact and turn those into free throws. So he's an efficient four point six. Oh, only 4.6? What? Is that what the free... It's free through... It's the FT? Yeah, that would be... That would be right. What's FTA? I'm only seeing FT and FT percentage. Oh, okay. Um, You might have to do the fact check on that. Yeah, here. I I want to see what James Harden's is. Ooh, I want to say it's like eight point something but i thought gila was kind of getting closer to that james harden level but i guess not i guess he's still a little bit behind but yeah. he does the warriors kind of all they struggled to get to the line a lot yeah and yeah i, I guess so um but yeah so anyway gila i'd say is a very versatile score on offense he's not the best passer he doesn't really want to pass either which is troubling and he's terrible on defense. So moving on to a guy who's not terrible on defense. That's number 14, Fred Van Vliet, who um, has played so well in the NBA restart. He's earned himself the nickname Fred Velvet, which is cool, I think, just because of how smooth he is. It's crazy to think that this guy is still a backup point guard, which um, maybe the Knicks can change that for him. James also. Harden's up to um, – 10.3 to 12 free throws a game crap yeah that's a lot that's it's crazy. increased it's slowly increased throughout his years at the rockets yeah i don't think he had that many tonight which is good blazers kind of kept that away from him it's all those three shot fouls from two when you're getting them three at a time they had i that's one of my biggest pet peeves in the nba though three shot fouls yeah i yep. hate i hate how I feel like you should be able to contest a shot up until, you know what I mean? It's just frustrating to see them release it and then come down and they, cause they didn't go up and down and then they oh, get right. called for a foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, but I mean, yeah, you're right though. Um, it's all about like protecting the shooter. That you yeah, I know. Cause that's like, a lot, a lot of, you could come down on your ankle weird. Yeah. Number, so anyway, Fred Van Vliet, um, Sort of weirdly similar. Well, not really similar. Yeah, not 
not really similar to D'Angelo Russell. He's a Fred Van Vliet, though. He's a good player in the pick and roll. He's a better passer than D'Angelo Russell. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. Maybe not as creative or versatile or dynamic off the dribble as a guy like D'Angelo Russell, but I would mm-hmm. say just a better like knockdown catch and shoot, um, catch and shoot guy than D'Lo is, which um, is big. Uh, he pushes the ball in transition, does a good job of getting to the basket, draw, drawing fouls in transition, sometimes even finishing, although his sort of small stature wouldn't really help him out with that much at all. On defense, Fred is a dog. He competes super hard. He gets yeah. steals. He, I hate Fred Van Bleet. Yeah, he yeah. literally ruined the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Every time the Warriors, bro, every yeah. single time. So you can probably we hit a three or take the lead. That little mm-hmm. midget just chucks up a three ball and it went in from yeah. way beyond the arc. Yeah, he's got way. He's got, he's got some depth to that jumper, but you can probably attest to it. Like Fred Van Vliet is the real deal, isn't he? Yeah, he's so good, dude. Yeah, so but I got it, it. He was. He was. He was. He would. He's what made that finals work. For oh them. yeah, yeah. I want to say like I don't know how many um. People get to vote for finals MVP. It's like ballpark 25. I forgot. It's probably like 26 or 27. Anyway, um, last year, I was talking about how for the finals MVP, I'm not sure how many people get to vote, but it's like 25, 26, 27. I'm pretty sure somewhere around there. Anyway, last year, Kawhi Leonard won it nearly unanimously. One vote went to somebody else, and that was Fred Van Vliet, which kind of shows you how like big Fred Van Vliet stepped up and played in the NBA Finals last year. Uh, just like media people and stuff. I think it's probably like the same group of people who vote for like any other NBA awards. Yeah. So yeah, Fred Van Vliet, definitely a guy I like. Number 13, a guy, probably the worst offensive guy we've touched on in a while, which is I know somewhat hypocritical because I said offense is the most important thing for point guard, but this guy is just so good defensively that I can let it slide a little bit. And that is Eric Bledsoe. And Eric Bledsoe, mm-hmm. athletic, crazy athletic, crazy strong. Just When they added him to the Bucks, I that was a good move. Yeah. And he's one of those guys who's just a brick wall on defense. Like, it's very tough to get past him. He fights through screens so, so well. It's you can nearly impal aside from drew holiday um and maybe maybe marcus smart eric bledsoe is probably one of the harder guys to screen in the nba um he can place um he can compete in the post which is obviously not important because you're not asking your point guard to do it very often but it's cool on offense offense um He's an explosive athlete, which helps him out in terms of getting to the hoop and stuff. Um, obviously, on the Bucks system, like Giannis has the ball so much in his hands that it's almost like hard to judge what Eric Bledsoe would be as a point guard on a normal basketball team where he actually had more responsibility. So, like honestly, if nothing else, in the Bucks, he has asked to like catch and shoot a lot, which he's fine with. Obviously, the playoffs was a huge storyline, how much he struggled in that particular area. But, um, yeah, his repertoire is definitely limited offensively. Um, He's not 
a score by any stretch of the imagination, but he's just the best guy on this list defensively. So I had to have him in the top 15. And so that's why he kind of settled in at 13 for me. Number 12 is your guy, Ja Morant, rookie season. He was awesome. Like he's already one of the funnest players. Yeah. He's one of the funnest players to watch insane athleticism. I know I keep touching on this, but I love my point guards to sort of have that flair for the dramatic and sort of that excitement to their game. And jaw has that more than anybody. Some of the dunks he tries in games are just ridiculous. It's tough for me to put him um, any higher than 12, even though he was so good. And that's just because we really haven't seen him in any high leverage games. And so much of what a point guard is, is like, um, how, how do they run an offense um, when a defense is really keying in on trying to stop um, the most? I um, feel like he's such a big-time player. When, when he gets the opportunity, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I would. But yeah, it's only time I will would, tell, though. We have never yeah, seen it. I, but I, I don't think he's going to have an issue. I would have to see it for first. Just because with those smaller guys, and I'm not saying this will happen to – well, I mean it has happened to Jaw a little bit. Like when you throw pressure at him, his just he's one of the best. Like his decision making for a rookie has been insane. But when people have trapped him or tried to throw double teams, it's just gotten a little shakier for Jaw. Which I mean, obviously it will. He's so young. But um, yeah, I agree with you. When you have the the person that touches the ball the most, you want like it makes it so much more exciting when they have the big playability. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I just, yeah, and um, Jaw, obviously, it's the full package. Um, he can shoot it well enough. He's even started experimenting with some, like, step-back threes and sort of off the dribble, and he's been okay yeah, he's with He's going to be a well-rounded point guard. Yeah, obviously, he's super athletic getting to the hoop. Um, his just creativity off the dribble is almost only matched by a few of the guys on this list. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there are very few holes in John Morant's game. He competes defensively, even if he's not big enough to sort of um, be a lead on that end. Like, yeah, John Morant is a solid, solid point guard. And if he, I don't think. Would you rather you, have Trey Young over Jaw? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, just because you have Trey Young at five. I have Trey Young way ahead of Jaw right now. Because and you also. Um, Trey hasn't played in any high-profile high games. You're right. Yeah. Going forward, I would probably – it all depends on team situation. Like, if I knew I could build a team that would mask Trey Young's defensive limitations, like, I'd take him over damn near any point guard in the NBA. But if it was a You wouldn't team, take him over Dame. No. Well, yeah. That's why I said nearly. But, um, <laughs> um, but I just think Trey is – still a much better offensive player than Morant is. Uh, but yeah, Morant, insane rookie year. One of the best rookie point guards we've ever seen. Uh, just the fact that he made the top 12 as a rookie is extremely impressive. So yeah, that's what I have to say about him. Number 11. Yes, special for sure. Number 11, I went De'Aaron Fox. A similar, almost similar sort of player to John Morant in that he's super quick, likes to push the ball, freaking athletic as all get out. Um, 
he is a better shooter than John Morant. He's a little bit better at getting to mid-range pull-ups than John Morant is. He's not as explosive around the basket as Jaw. Not necessarily meaning he's a worst finisher, just he can't go over and through bigger defenders as well as John does. Aaron Fox one of the fastest guys in the NBA? Yeah, if not the fastest. I think if you were to have like a foot race, De'Aaron would probably win it. But um, anyway, like around the basket, That's he's got a lot. Good- what? That's saying a lot. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. saying a lot. Yeah. But I think he's got it, though. Mm-hmm. Around the basket, like, he's just so impressive with that um, double pump move he goes to so often. Like, as one of the smaller, more skinny, um, slender guards in the league, he is surprisingly one of the best at finishing um, when he gets um, around the hoop. And so... Right. He looks just like my cousin. Really? Yeah. Cause like my, yeah, he looks just like, I'll have to show you a picture sometime, but yeah, he looks just like him. It's scary. (laughs) And the thing about, um, Darren Fox is we've still never seen him with a great or even a decent offensive center. And so, um, it would, that would be a huge revelation. I have a feeling that there's a ton of untapped potential there. But as of now, I have De'Aaron Fox at number 11. Number 10, I had a guy who played pretty well today and has played pretty well in limited minutes due to injury. Uh, No, Kimba Walker. Oh. Devin, Devin I put as a shooting guard just because I have. Oh, yeah, my bad. He's a shooting guard. Yeah. So 11, or not 11. Number 10, I had Kimba Walker, great shooter, uh, good passer. Um, great mid-range shooter not not the um not the best defender but he gives a lot of effort which is able to mask over most of his shortcomings there um it's gonna be in boston yeah and it's gonna be interesting to see how he does in the playoffs because obviously this won't be his first time in the playoffs he made it with charlotte but let's be honest charlotte was never a real contender while kimbo was there so this will be his first like high leverage playoff games with a real contender. And so that's going to tell me a lot about where he's at. I have a bad feeling that teams are sort of going to hunt him defensively and try to generate switches where they can sort of attack him one-on-one. Um, but And then on the other end, like Boston has so many... What do you mean attack him one-on-one? Does he struggle? Well, if you... If you got him on like a bigger guy, like let's say they played Philadelphia first round, like I don't think he'd be able to guard Tobias Harris. I don't think he'd be able to guard Ben Simmons. Oh, you mean defensively? Yeah, defensively. Oh, oh. yeah. I was going to say, because I thought he's pretty, I don't think it really matters who's guarding him. If a big guy's guarding him, I feel like that's a mismatch for the big guy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's one of the things about Kimba is he's great at attacking those mismatches. He's so quick off the dribble that he can, um, shoot it he's like a, he's um a threat to shoot at pretty much any moment just because he's so quick on his feet and he's got such a quick release that he can generate space and get a shot at the rim yeah. in a heartbeat and he's a good three-point shooter and so that makes him extremely dangerous he's doesn't have quite as much range as like a dame or a trey but he's 
almost as good as those guys at creating a three-pointer when he's one-on-one against a defender. Number nine is a guy who I think is underrated. I don't know how many people would have him above Kimba Walker. That's Kyle Lowry. Um, Yeah, he's good. He's not the most talented guy in the world. Um, Not even the best shooter, although he has improved to that. But he just tries so hard, and he does all the little things that you love to see. He always makes the right pass. He's the best point guard in the NBA at drawing charges, which has kind of turned into like his trademark skill, is that he just puts his body on the line every night for the Raptors. There's not a player in the NBA that Kim or that Kyle wouldn't step in front of. And so and like he's just, not young either. No, no, he's not. Um he's that guy's got a lot of heart. Obviously, he's a champion. He just is the definition of a guy who has a winning team first mentality, which is exactly what you want from your point guard. And it helps that um he's a very solid playmaker, very solid shooter. His floater game has still somehow, even in his older age, been improving. So I think um, <clears throat> even though if even though he's not like the most dynamic, most explosive he um, offensive player, like if you have Kyle Lowry, you are far from guaranteed to have a good offense. But I just think all the little intangible things. Um, combined with being neither a liability on defense or offense, make him a very good, valuable player. Where's John Wall in your list? So I didn't include John Wall this time, um, just because he hasn't. Played. I really he's been out for so long that I have no idea like how he'll come back. So like I kind of where would he be? Yeah, if he came back completely healthy, I get I kind of um, bailed myself out here. But if he came back completely healthy, like um, we remember him, he probably would be right around where I'm at right now. He'd probably be borderline top ten sort of caliber guy. Yeah, but I would be shocked if he comes back that healthy. I don't expect him to be very good next year, just because he's been out for so long, and those. Um, muscle tears are always the toughest injuries to come back from, especially for a guy who relied on athleticism as much as John Wall did. I kind of fear the worst from. So anyway, moving on to number eight is a guy who's frustrated people at times, but is still one of the most um, unique and valuable players at the point guard position. And that's Ben Simmons. Um, Obviously in the NBA. Best score. <laughs> uh, great, great defender. Great hands. Great instincts. Great lanes. Yeah, huge guy. 6'10", massive for the point guard position. Great at jumping passing lanes. Great at steals. Um, pressures. puts Applies pressure on anybody he's guarding, which he can guard any position, too. He's better against guards, I think, but he's certainly tall enough to compete with forwards um oh god yeah dude he could guard a center yeah um against (laughs) yeah against a guy and against like the more physical post heavy centers i don't like him just because he's a little bit light in the shorts but um yeah for sure against um 
for sure against like power forwards and yeah mobile guys i like him a lot offensively the big thing is he can't shoot threes but that hasn't really prevented him from being an effective offensive player he can push the ball in transition the way like a Giannis or a pascal's yakum obviously is not as good at finishing as those guys are but he uh, the way he just um is a one man grab the rebound get out and transition on the fast break dunker laid in like that he sort of resembles those two guys um you would love to see the layups go in more for him he doesn't hit them all that often as you <laughs> for a 610 point guard yeah uh, obviously no no three pointer no mid range very little no three pointer what very little float game um so that is obviously a massive monster handicap that pretty much what's his career three-point percentage shoot i don't even know he's taken so few of them like eight it's eight yeah it's like nine wow (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and most of those aren't even real three-pointers. They're like half-court heaves as the buzzer expires or something like that. So yeah. it barely even counts. Um, so, yeah, the thing that worries me the most about Ben Simmons is not even his three-point shooting, but the foul shooting. Because obviously he's most efficient when he's attack or most effective when he's attacking the rim. But if defenses can just foul him and send him to the line and he's not going to make him pay for that, then that is a very major flaw in Ben Simmons' um, theory. And it's one that has kind of been exposed as he tends to like shy away from contact when he approaches the rim. And that is the opposite of what you would see from a guy like Ben Simmons in a perfect world. So although he's one of the best athletes, has about as much talent as any guy on this list, he just has so many holes offensively that there's either a a lot of untapped potential or b he's just a very flawed player either way number eight for me (laughs) i've been talking for a long time i almost have like a sore throat going here but (laughs) yeah i know we we can't we kind of you you did you've done a lot you did your top 30 and you've literally we are blessed with your nba knowledge i know but after this i'll talk for a while unless you want to just call it quits Cause like this was no. a good episode. You, you, you literally, when you said you wanted to make this episode about NBA, you weren't joking. No, I'm never joking about it. I, dude, I seriously doubt there's anything out there that's like top 30 list with a detailed analysis of each player that you list. Yeah. Probably for a reason, to be honest. Number <laughs> seven, guy who we didn't see much of this year. And when we did see him, he was awesome. Kyrie Irving has, um, pretty much everything you want from a uh, offensive point guard. His handles are insane. He can beat, he probably one of probably the best one-on-one player on this list, to be honest. He can beat nearly any defender one-on-one off the dribble. He can beat them by shooting an off the dribble three. His pull-up game is amazing for longer twos. His floaters around the basket are awesome. His touch at the rim is still unmatched by anybody on this list. Just an incredible score at all three levels. His passing has been inconsistent. He can be one of the better passers in the NBA, but oftentimes you see him more focused on finding shots for himself. 
as yeah. he should be. It's going to be interested, interesting to see how he plays with a guy like Katie. Um, yeah, somehow. that's going to be really interesting to see because yeah. you saw how much Steph sacrificed. Yeah, if I had a bold prediction, it's going to be that the Nets are going to be a little bit disappointing next year, at least for the regular season. Maybe they get it figured out in time for the playoffs. Obviously, we're a very long way from even knowing whether or not we'll have a season next year. But Mm -hmm. I think it might take the Nets a little while to find their rhythm once we do. Um, What else do I want to say about Kyrie? Not a very good defensive point guard. He has shown at times to have good hands. He can get steals. Um, But a lot of that is, I don't want to say due to laziness, but he is one of those guys who will make an attempt to get a steal and then either one out of 10 times he'll get it and then the other 10 times that attempt will cause his guy to have an advantage and be able to beat him to the basket. Mm -hmm. So Kyrie is one of those guys who might go for a steal in absence of actually playing defense, if that makes sense at all. Um, So, yeah, not a good defender, but, I mean, I spent a while breaking down his offense. It's tough to beat. Yeah, Kyrie Irving is pretty awesome. Um, So, number six, we go to the most polarizing – oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what's really holding Kyrie back. Because obviously what I said sounds like I'm describing a top two or three point guard. The attitude and injury problems are just a a constant concern when it comes to Kyrie Irving. And that really um, weighs my mind when it comes to Kyrie. So that's what's preventing me from being even further up. Anyway, number six is the most polarizing, maybe not the most polarizing, but an extremely polarizing player, Russell Westbrook. One of the guys who I hate the most in the NBA, and I'm not even ashamed to admit that I don't care for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I don't really either. An asshole. Um, but he's good at basketball. Um, That's one thing that we can both yeah. agree on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just his shot. It's not Ben. Well, he shoots more than Ben Simmons does. Whether his shot is better or worse, it's honestly hard to tell. His mid-range shot is still, although it's very, very, very ineffective for him, he still kind of is able to use it as a weapon because most defenders still respect his mid-range. And honestly, even though you're not afraid of him shooting, you can't really back up off of him because you're you're just giving him more space to beat you off the dribble, which you can't allow. You kind of have to stay on him or else he's going to blow by you. Um, and he's uh, he's beyond he's more than capable of hitting shots anywhere on the court too. Like yeah, he well, he can he definitely can. I've seen it plenty of times playing the Warriors. Yeah, he, I know it's not the best all the time, but he's. Well, are you talking more about when he was on the Thunder? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because he used he used to be able to shoot, but that skill has really kind of left him in the past year and a half or two yeah that's what i've noticed in the past couple like games that i've watched he's definitely less of a threat yeah he's not he's he's, far from a shooter anymore but attacking the basket he's still as good as ever he's Um, not one to take lightly that's for dang sure um yeah um he can post smaller guys up that's how you get the rock the baby celebration that i hate so much he's 
got that explosive athleticism around the rim. He can get from end zone to end zone in a matter of seconds and finish up the cup. Like he's one of those guys who terrifies me because one second he's dribbling the ball at half court and the other second he has taken off and is a layup. And so is that just a combination of speed and then just explosive athleticism once he gets to the rim is a very tough combination to stop and it kind of keeps him in the mix for um, for best point guards. One of the misconceptions about Russ, I think, is people automatically assume that since he's a terrific athlete, that translates into him being a good defender, which is actually false. I think Russell Westbrook, especially against elite point guards like your Damian Lillards and Stephen Curry's, he cannot compete with those guys whatsoever. His effort is oftentimes appalling. Like, yeah, it sucks. He tries very rarely on defense. One of the um, times that stands out to me the most, and this is just because obviously I'm a big Blazer fan, so I watched the series very closely, is the game five. Portland OKC obviously remembered for Damian Lillard's terrific buzzer beater. But um, a couple of possessions prior, CJ, yeah, exactly. But a couple of possessions prior, CJ got a big mid-ranger, and um, it was because Dame fed him the ball. Um, but uh, when CJ initially um, received the pass, Russ was kind of standing there, hands on knees, sort of gathering his breath, not locked into a defensive stance, and it allowed CJ to get that first step and sort of beat him off the dribble and kind of catch Russ off balance. So, I mean, obviously that's just one example, but you can, when you pay attention closely to stuff like that, you can kind of see Russ taking possessions off of defense all the time, which is troubling. And here we get to my biggest nitpick about Russell Westbrook, which is why I would have a healthy Kyrie Irving ahead of him. I, if Ben Simmons could put together any sort of consistency, I'd have him ahead of Russ. Uh, next year, I wouldn't be surprised if I found myself with John Morant ahead of Russ. Like, this is the main reason why I don't like Russ, is we touched on this earlier. Didn't he suck earlier this season? Like, I know, obviously, you pointed out that game he had against the Warriors where he failed to get anything going, um, was extremely inefficient, and almost took his team out of the game. Missed easy uh, shots, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shots at the rim. All sorts of that nonsense. Yeah, he uh, missed the layups. Mm -hmm. that's what i think i remember yeah and the thing is that game was not an anomaly for russ early in the season he actually had quite a few games like that where he was inefficient and um that's not the case anymore and the reason that is is because they traded clint capella and what that allowed allowed the rockets to do is play this five out lineup with five guys who are six, seven or shorter. All five guys are very capable knockdown shooters and catch and shoot situations, except for Russ. Um, but that allows Russ to have an open court to kind of get that head of steam and attack the basket with when, when there's no Clint Capella clogging up the paint, forcing his defender to, or not forcing when there's no Clint Capella in the paint, that's, um, that means there's one less defender for Russ to compete with when he goes up for a layup. You know what I mean? So um, that's where we get to really what's the biggest um, knock against Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, is that 
he just has a very, 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 very tough time playing in a lineup that doesn't have four shooters next to him, which I think when you have to bend your team that much to accommodate a player, like how good really is that player? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you have to abandon a center who had been an He's important so good. Piece of your, yeah. And had been an important piece of your franchise for the past two years. And you just have to get rid of that guy just so your point guard isn't trash anymore. Like how, like that, that's a knock against the point guard because a guy like Dame, a guy like Steph, a guy like Kyrie, even a guy like John Morant, all those guys could, you could pretty much drop them into any situation and they'd be able to play well. And you cannot say that about Russell Westbrook, which is um, a red flag for me, a big red flag for me. I agree. Yeah. So that brings us to the top five. And I've already said this. Number five is Trey Young. I touched on this before, elite offensive player, shoots deep threes as often and nearly as well as anybody else in the game, has um, terrific, terrific, terrific handles, which allow him to beat pretty much any defender off the dribble. He's got an act for those step-back threes that are so prevalent in today's game. Once he gets inside, he hasn't shown a tremendous affinity for pulling up, but that's okay because his floater game is as good as anybody else on this list. He's as good in the pick and roll as anybody that I just am dying to see him play with Clint Capella because pair Trey with a screener who's a lob threat, I just think that unlocks so many options in the Hawks offense, I think that will allow Trey to be even more dynamic than he already is on offense when you, cause like Cabell just been hurt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, when you have a guy who's a vertical, so often we think about spacing in the sense that like a guy like Stephen Curry or Damian Lillard's going to attract defenders, even when he's 40 feet away from the basket. So that unlock that opens up the court. Right. I like to think about vertical spacing too, where, um, which applies to a guy like Clint Capella, who is such a threat to catch lobs above the rim and he can get up so high that as a defender, you kind of have to be almost hugging him or else Trey will just be able to throw it over the top of you. And I think when the center has to drop back so deep to cover Capella, I think that'll open up the floaters and layups for Trey Young. And I think that will be, I think Clint will be a huge asset for Trey. And I think Trey will be way better than we've seen him next year. I think next year is going to be a big Trey Young year. Yep. And like I, I said before, the Warriors when they play. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a very capable center. And like I said before, I feel comfortable calling Trey Young the worst defensive player that I'm going to read off today. And that obviously matters. Like it's hard to win basketball games, especially in the playoffs, which. Hopefully we see Trey Young in the playoffs soon. It's hard to win basketball games when you have a guy who's as big of a liability on that end as Trey Young is. But when Steph Curry first got into the league, he was a bad defender too. And the Warriors were able to hide that partly because Steve Kerr um, had a really good system where they did a lot of sort of backdoor switches and kind of kept Steph far away from the ball. So, well, I guess we're going to, hopefully see some of Lloyd Pierce's defensive chops. Like he hasn't been that bad of a defender when Steve Kerr's been there. 
Maybe like when Mark Jackson was there. Oh yeah. No, no. I'm saying like Steph's turned into a good defender, but like when the Warriors play him with clay, Iggy Draymond, he's always like the worst defender on the court. So he's always like the guy who you're trying to hide because you'd much rather have one of your better guys on ball. And that's kind of what I'm hoping Lloyd Pierce will be able to do with Trey is sort of hide him. And if not, Trey is going to have to take a massive step up on defense because what he's got now just doesn't cut it. Mm -hmm. But tremendous, tremendous offensive player, amazing passer, great handles. Obviously, he's got the shot. That's all I really need to say about Trey. Moving on to number four, one of the best point guards of all time, probably the smartest player in the NBA, Chris Paul. Uh, I mean, what do I, you really need to say about Chris Paul? Just so smart, everything. every trick in the book, uh, whether it's making the right passes, he always makes the right passes. They're not always the flashiest passes like you see with a Trey or a Luca or a John Morant, but he always makes the right decision. Yeah. Great at drawing fouls, which is not the funnest skill to be good at, but boy, does he make it an effective skill to be good at just because of his ability to get to the line and having that always be a threat to defenders. His mid range is still as good as anybody on this list. Um, I don't know if you watched any of the highlights of the, um, Thunder Nuggets game from yesterday, but um, there were two possessions in a row where Bull Bull decided he wanted to take on Chris Paul. And both possessions, Chris Paul worked him one on one and was able to get a mid ranger on the right side of the court. And that is all that's like obviously, Chris Paul is an awesome player who can shoot over anybody. If you're Bull Bull, obviously, I know you're a rookie, but you gotta know to keep. Trey Young off his right hand in that situation, or not Trey Young. You got to know to keep Chris Paul off his right hand in that situation. Like Chris Paul, his entire year has wanted to work to the right and pull up for the mid ranger over guys, and he's effective at it. And he can do it over anybody, as he proved. He can do it over a freaking giant and bull bull. So Chris Paul, still a good score on offense, one of the smartest players in the league, if not the smartest player, a very capable passer who makes the right decisions. Um, just a, probably of the floor general archetype I've been talking about, he is the best or the second best one. Um, on defense, he's still a very good defender, great hands. Um, you can't you can't carry the ball around him loosely or else Chris Paul is going to be able to poke it away from you. So yep. he's a a great player on offense, great player on defense, great, one of the best point guards of all time. Even though he's, I want to say, 34 this year, yeah. he's still, he might as well be in his prime. He's still playing very well. So that's Chris Paul, number four. Number three was an MVP candidate early in the year. This is a one of my most controversial basketball opinions, but I have men as my most improved player of the year. Luka Doncic, the second-year player out of Slovenia. And what's surprised me about Luka this year is how he's improved as a ball handler and how that's helped him improve as a scorer. So obviously when you think of Luka, like he's kind of this like 
average looking like kind of stiff out of shape yeah slow unathletic white dude he just looks like he could be some everyday guy and um he doesn't have that insane athleticism but what he does have is craftiness he's he's able to beat defenders by changing his pace as well as anybody his handles are ridiculous the way he looks off defenders like uses his eyes and uses the threat of passes because he's one of the best passes in the league the way he can like look off defenders and kind of use his head to fake passes is unreal and it helps him beat a lot of guys in the pick and roll in the pick and roll, he's a guy who I sort of, um, I mentioned this with Trae Young, I think he pairs better with one of those vertical rim runner guys just because it generates more space for him to make offense away from the rim. Here, yeah. let me go on a little, let me go, I want to go on a little tangent right quick, sorry. Yeah. For a guy like John Morant, whose best offensive trait is his ability to just go hard to the bucket and make athletic finishes around the rim. You want to pair him with a guy like a Jaron Jackson, um, who's more of a pick and pop threat than a pick and roll threat. Because when your big man fades on the pick and roll, that draws the big man defender away from the hoop, which um, will make it easier for a guy like John Morant to finish at the cup. For a guy like Luka Doncic or Trey Young, who likes to create most of their offense, by like using either mid-rangers or floaters or even to a certain extent three-pointers, you want a guy who's going to roll to the rim because if you have a guy with tremendous vertical gravity um, and he'll suck his defender close to the basket, which obviously opens up more space um, to create a shot for a guy like uh, guy like uh, Luca, And mm-hmm. so that's why... That's why it was such a big blow to the Mavericks this year, I thought. An underrated blow. It doesn't really get talked about too much, but I think the season-ending injury to Dwight Powell was just probably the worst thing that could happen because even more than Kristaps, um, uh, Powell was just a tremendous pick-and-roll um, partner for Luka Doncic. And I guess let's get into that partnership he has with Kristaps Przingis. I know it's obviously been a kind of hot statistic floating around is just how Chris Dopp's numbers have gotten worse when Luca's on the floor. And I think a lot of that just has to do with shooting luck. I don't think anything that Luca's doing is causing Chris Dopp's to be less effective, mm-hmm. but I also think that it's true that those two haven't ne- necessarily worked out their chemistry quite yet. They haven't quite figured out what their thing is going to be. And I think it is getting better. Like, Kristaps, his screens are getting more effective. He obviously, like I was saying, he's a guy who likes to fade when he sets screens. He's he Kristaps Porzingis loves to shoot threes, which I don't necessarily think is the best thing you compare alongside Luka Doncic, but he's figuring it out. On defense, he doesn't move his feet. Um, he's not athletic. He is big, which helps, which um, he can compete somewhat in the post. He... He's got active hands, so he sometimes pokes away seals. He's got a great feel for the game on offense, and that translates to defense. He obviously always knows what's going on. He's sometimes one step ahead of the opposing offense, which is um, can make up for a lot of his disadvantages on that. And he's by no means an elite defensive player. He's probably not even an average defender. I'd probably put him 
as slightly below average, but when you're slightly below average on defense and as amazing and dynamic as Luca is on offense, that to me is the top three point guard. And I have him at number three. Yeah. Now we get into the debate of the show. Um, Number two, it's I not really Steph. a debate, but <laughs> number two, I had, yeah. Number two, I had Steph Curry. You yeah. can make an argument that Steph Curry because he didn't play this year. Yeah, it's because he didn't play this year. And you could make an argument that Steph is the best point guard of all time, and I wouldn't disagree with you. He's changed the game of basketball, unlike hardly anybody we've seen in my lifetime. That's for sure. He can pull up from anywhere on the court. He's a great passer of everybody on this list. He's the guy who I like the most off ball. And that's why I've advocated for the Warriors drafting um, LaMelo Ball, just because I think um, Steph Curry is such a genius off ball. Like he knows where to go. Uh, He knows how to use the threat of his shot to manipulate defenders around the court. Um, That's why I think if you ever played with another guy, you had a tremendous passing skill like Lamelo, especially a guy who likes to push push it in transition like Lamelo. That could be a deadly combo. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, of all the guys on this list, Steph is by far the best off ball guy. Maybe one of the best off ball guys of all time. Yeah. Obviously, I don't need to talk about his shooting. Everybody knows he's one of the best shooters of all time. If not, the, well, yeah, he's the best shooter of all time. His yeah. passing is obviously very good. Um, we even saw it in the Raptors game. Like he didn't have a very good shooting game in that one game. He came back against the Raptors, but his passing was still all the way there. Yeah, which, he's, he's just so good all around. His finishing yeah. is amazing. Yeah, finishing is good. Floaters, you name it. Steph and Curry's got it offensively. Defensively, like we said, it's, he's not a good defender, but he's far, far, far from being a liability, which is really all you need from a guy like Steph, especially when – his backcourt partner, Clay Thompson, is one of the best defenders at the guard position in the freaking NBA. So, yeah. Yeah, Steph Curry, one of the best point guards of all time, if not the best point guard of all time. He was injured this year, so I had a hard time putting him at He's arguably one of the best players of all time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean like, so let's be real, though. Yeah. I mean, define one of the best players of all time because he's arguably top 10 all time. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I just—he's obviously hard... not the best player of all time, yeah. but he's like one of the top ten best players of all time. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I just had a hard time putting him at number one. He is—he's getting older. He was injured this year, but, but when he was playing, he was good. Yeah, when he was playing, he was good. Which was—was was it three and a half or four and a half games? I think you. I don't remember, but yeah, I think they got. They got housed by the Clippers. They got absolutely destroyed by the Thunder. And then he got injured in that Suns game, and he came back for that one game against the Raptors. So I'm pretty sure it was three and a half, unless I'm forgetting a game early in the season. Um, But anyway, yeah, Steph Curry's number two. It was close. Number one, I put Damian Lillard. Had the best season of his career Um, in the midst of his season, late January, early February. Went on one of the craziest scoring runs of all time, where for there were two weeks where he was averaging fifty points a game. Um, he That's is obviously crazy. he's obviously the best deep three point shooter in the NBA. He's even past Steph at at this point. He takes a ton of those threes. He's insane in the pick and roll. 
he knows how to shoot coming off of screens. He knows he knows how to draw those fouls. What do you off. mean he's past Steph? Like in terms of deep shooting, like like um not even in terms of like like he just is a more efficient shooter from, from thirty five feet and away from the hoop. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a fact. Yeah, it's a fact. I mean, and you could still say, like, if I needed somebody to shoot, like, a 40-footer to save my life, I might pick Stephen Curry. But, like, Damian Lillard's been more efficient than anybody in history at shooting those long yeah. missiles. <laughs> and um, I would say the one area that I think, besides that, that I think Dame is better than Steph is going hard to the basket. I think Dame is maybe a little bit more athletic than Stephen Curry. And so um, Dame can um, come off that screen and just go hard to the hoop and he can finish with either hand. He is great at reverse layups. He's great at like using his inside hand, using his outside hand. He can get it high off the glass. Like he's a great finisher at the cup. Um, He's a great isolation player. He can, he's really added this to his game this year is the step back three pointer. He can shake and bake guys and pull up in the mid range. No problem which is impressive. He's probably one of the most scariest players in the league. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just so well-rounded offensively. Even his passing, like, he's not a flashy passer, but he gets the job done. Like, he averages a lot of assists. I think he averages six assists a game, six or seven. Just, like, just, the shots that this guy makes. Yeah, it's crazy. He won probably one of yeah one of the best shot makers in the NBA. Just he's, last- one of the, he's probably one of the – he's, like – I don't even. I, I almost am going to say like he's like one of the most scariest like three point threats in the league. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the no fact, like he hits everything. Yeah, he does. And when he's um, hot, it's the worst thing ever. Yep. And he's another one of those point guards with the flair for the dramatics. Like Dame is one of those guys who sort of recognizes like the big moment and can sort of rise to the occasion. And Steph's like that too, obviously. But those sorts of players are just fun to watch when you know when you know that they know that it's a big moment in the game and you know that they're about to take over. Dame's one of those guys. Um, I think we did we already touch on him defensively. He's not the best defensively, but he's got quick feet. He's pretty strong. He can stay in front of most guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's nothing really special, but he's like Steph. He's not gonna hurt you on that end. But yeah. So yeah. That is my top 30. You know how impressive it is that you just did that? Like, that is absolutely insanity. Thanks. Yeah, but what I'm thinking is, yeah, like, I think what we'll do is in the description of the video, we'll, like, put in time clips. So, like, because, like, say someone didn't want to listen to the full 30, we could do, like, 20, uh, 30 to 20 at this time range. 20 to 10 this time range and then we can do um 10 to 1 in this time in this specific time slot all right yeah that sounds good dude i'm so interested to see how freaking long that was i know i think we went for like two two hours yeah dude, i'm not i'm not gonna say anything about these players i'm just gonna list my 45 through 30 just in case like anybody's like mad that their team's starting point guard got yeah. left off or whatever yeah. i'll just list my honorable mentions from 45 to 31, Corey Joseph, Shabazz Napier, Frank Jackson, Avery Black, Bradley, Ish Smith, Kai Bowman, Tomas Sadaransky, 
Markel Fultz, Kobe White, DeJounte Murray, Reggie Jackson, Monte Morris, Tyus Jones, Patrick Beverly, Devontae Graham. You let you put Kai Bowman in there? Yeah. Um, it was kind of interesting. When I was sort of making this list, he was like the one guy who I couldn't really decide where I wanted him. So um, this might be just some recency bias, but I actually have been watching a lot of film on him the past couple of days. And I'm very impressed. Like he's dude, he's not, so athletic. Yeah, and, he's, and he's not he throws down. Yeah, and he's not like <laughs> he throws yeah. down. Yeah. And he's a good defender too. I yeah. think. So I think he definitely has a future in the. He was going like, to play wide receiver in like at Alabama or something crazy. Oh really? I didn't know that. But that's crazy though. Yeah, he's a freak yeah, athlete. I just think he has like a high upside. So I'm I kind of am interesting to see what his role is going to be next year. Yeah, he's he had an Alabama offer to play football. Damn, that's crazy. Dude, but yeah, if you think know. about it, he looks small, but he would have been a big physical wide receiver. Yeah, you you know he's crazy if he got a, a uh, offer to play football at Alabama. You know he's an athlete. Kai Bowman height. Yeah, he's six one. He like he, like that's not a like that's like obviously not a huge wide receiver, but I mean like for his speed and athleticism, that'd yeah. be pretty crazy. He'd be like Henry Ruggs or something. Yeah, yeah. So he's a guy whose career I'll be watching very closely. Yeah, I really I really like him a lot. I'm but, impressed from what I saw. Yeah. So do you want to do? Do you want like I honestly I, I honestly I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about actually you you want to do another one maybe tomorrow. Where I can talk about the UFC and then um, freaking the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, it sounds good. You want to actually do that? We can just end this one. This one was really good, and we can just split it up into parts. Okay, cool. But yeah, but it'll, it'll be like one long one too, right? Yeah, it'll be one long one, but when someone clicks on it, they'll see the time slots of what we're oh, going to yeah. talk about. Yeah, and like the, the description. I got you. Yeah, it'll be yeah, awesome. That'll, but That'll yeah. be perfect. Yeah, cool. Okay, so we can, do it, we can do it tomorrow night. Okay, cool. Dude, you killed it. Maybe we should make this a weekly series. Like I could do my top shooting guards next week. Yeah, it's so like this. That's so impressive to me. Like I don't think you understand. Like when I was saying this, like that is crazy. Like the fact that you broke down thirty different guys and could have done it for forty-five, and like ranked them in an order that made sense and that was in. I don't know. Like that was just super impressive. And I think like if people actually watch this, they're going to like appreciate it a lot. I'm literally going to put that. I'm going to be like, Jonah, you're going to be blessed with the knowledge Jonah is going to put um, upon you. But yes. All right. That was well, really, that was, that was really good. Appreciate it. But, yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Jonah's NBA talk. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. All right. Bye Jonah. Good job. We'll, we'll um, do one tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. See you. Then. Right. Good night.